So I want to read in Ezekiel chapter 22 as we welcome one another. I'm reading verse 8. It says, okay, let's start it from verse 29. No, I think I'd rather start it from 25, just to give you a background. It says, I'm reading in the New King James. You can follow in your version. It says, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof. Murimubuali, his own nation, Israel. Or there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. That was the prophets. The prophets have made widows of God's people. They have devoured them, God says. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. They have made no distinction between what is godly and what is worldly. And everyone is okay with it. The nation is under siege from ungodliness, but the nation of God is okay with it. They don't see what is holy. They don't see what is profane. They don't understand what pleases God and what displeases God. But God says it's his priests who are happy with it. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbath and I am profaned among them. I have lost my esteem amongst my people. I have lost my honor. I have lost my reverence. When they think about me as God, I have lost a supremacy over them. As a father, I have lost the position of a father. As Lord, I have lost my voice in their lives. So God is lamenting his relationship with his children, his people. He says, basically, I have lost my children. I have lost Israel. He says, her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves. Princes and kings now stand for leadership. He's spoken about the spiritual guys, the prophets and the priests. Now he comes to the governors of the land. The governor, he says, they are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And the prophets have dubbed them with untempered mortar, seeing with vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord when the Lord had not spoken. The governors and the spiritual leaders are in cahoots to deceive one another. Saying, thus said the Lord, when the Lord has not said. I'm just 
putting before you a picture of the things that we are dealing with, whether we are aware or not. It says, the people of the land have used oppression and exercised the robbery and have vexed the poor and the needy. Eh? You are politically aware what's happening in the country. Huti, they have vexed the poor and the needy. They have undermined the poor and the needy. They have sought to take advantage of the poor and the needy. Yes, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And then this is the part that where I want you to remember why we pray. God says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. So why should churches open, Bazalan? There has to be in the church. Remember, I've always said in the church, when we are gathered like this, there's a congregation and there's a church. You know the, the difference right by now. Church is not people who congregate in the name of Jesus. Church is people who are born again by the Spirit of God. Who are led, who are regenerated by the Spirit. Those are church. Others are congregants. They congregate with the church. So the possibility is that in any congregation, you might have 95% as congregants and only 5% as the true church. And then God says, in the congregation of my people, I look for a man. I look for an intercessor. I look for someone who can stand in the gap and say, what is happening in this community? What is happening in this country? What, this is wrong. This is not how God wants us to go forward. But then someone must also ask, post lockdown, God, how are we going forward as a church? How is the current church going to do things different to the church pre-lockdown how are we going to make sure that god has not lost voice in our lives we are very clear about what is unclean and what is clean we are very clear about what is holy and what is unholy so that the unholy in our midst becomes the exception not the norm The, the unclean is an exception. When we accept a sinner, we are all in a position of being aware that we are accepting someone who's needing help to become like us. We are not accepting someone who's revealing and adding to the numbers of who we are. So now we need to take a stance to say, God, May your voice be clear again. May the church come back differently. I told you that when you are coming back to church, I'm sure lockdown has taught you, there's no time for babysitting. No pastor has given you the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No one can be there for you permanently. It's not possible. But it has to be a reckoning on our part to say, something has shifted whether you like it or you don't. 
Therefore, something must shift in us as well. So let's pray that God, by your spirit, open our spiritual ears to hear differently. Open our spiritual eyes to see differently. And give us a new tenacity to go forward. To go forward as people who listen to God and not many voices that go contrary to God. But again, to have a clarity in our midst of what is holy and what is unholy. And for the unholy to be a rarity, an exception. So that when the unholy comes, we can deal with it compassionately but decisively. Are we there? Shall we stand up and pray? Pray for yourself. Pray for the leadership. We have difficult decisions to make. We have, we have to change. Like I said, we have to move from doing church to being church. And that's going to mean a lot of things have to change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand like Isaiah, Lord. A man who came and he said, I saw the Lord and the train of his robe fill the temple. And in the light of God's glory, in the light of who God is, I saw myself who I truly am and the people that I live among who they truly are. And I cried, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst people of unclean lips. And today, Lord, we want to speak courage into our hearts. We want to ask you, Father of light, by your spirit, illuminate your truth once more in our hearts. Open the eyes of our understanding. Fill us with the knowledge of your will, Lord. And a discerning heart mature us to, to even be able to discern what is holy and unholy, Lord. And to be decisive, to make the final decision about our stance for God and against evil, Lord. Whatever the cost, whatever the trial and the tribulation, Jesus is Lord. From the rising of the sun to the setting down of the same, I will declare him when there is opposition or not, my God is the voice that speaks from heaven, that speaks from within me, that speaks from the Bible, that speaks from the Holy Spirit. And so Lord, we want to thank you. Revive us, Lord, unto the truth. Revive us, Lord, unto proper salvation, unto repentance, unto the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, unto the power of the Holy Spirit. 
itloti semorena losing hakajenu remind us who we are we have lost who we are in being diluted with the world lead us lord into a way everlasting once more restore us lord to the place where we truly are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms in the places of authority and power and supremacy because we are from above lord we are not from below help us to see as you see to speak as you speak to do as you do we know lord you are consistently doing something new Help us to see the something new that you are doing. And may this something new be done through us. May we not be on the sides and the periphery, Lord, and the pavilions, Lord, when the game of war is happening in the war field, Lord. There is no demilitarized zone. Therefore, remind us to put on the full armor of God and be ready to do battle against the enemies of our souls. In the mighty and precious name, as we speak your word, speak to us, speak through us. Give us conviction, Lord, that we can no longer afford to be nominal, average, lukewarm Christians. The world has become more wicked, Lord. The world is thirsty for the blood of the righteous. May we raise up the banner of the name of Jesus. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and they are saved, Lord. We thank you, Lord. As we give you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just give the Lord a hand of praise. We may sit down and say we still run a shorter service until further notice. Amen. But I want to, to greet you once more. I'm happy to see all of you, even those that I have already seen. Amen. And I, I, I just want to encourage you around the issues that God has been encouraging me about as well. And things that I am personally dealing with that I think we, we all need to in a sense, depending on where you are with God, grapple with. So I want to talk to us about courageous living and courageous leading. There's never been a time that we need courage like now. Amen. And I, 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 I have a slant. In a, my slant is... I want to talk more to those who are leading, whether you are leading at work, at church, or wherever you are leading. But I would still endeavor to make it general that everyone is on the same page. But here's a note that I want us to kick off from. In the olden days, in biblical times especially, and in African history, you'll realize that when you were a leader, you were primarily because of the conditions of existence then, your leadership was tied to your ability to lead people through danger and crisis. And when there's a time of peace, to prepare them for a time of crisis. So if you're thinking of nations then, nations always fought, you remember that. 
So if, if you're thinking of biblical times, as people are, are in a peace time, they are planning which nation to attack and take their territory. So when you read a, the, the, the history in the Bible, biblical history, is full of wars. It's full of people who go and fight. And they don't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be someone offending you. No, it's territorialism. I want to take your territory. You don't have to have done anything to me. I just have to rule. And because when you were a leader then, a lot of the leaders we read about had to take people at one point or the other into war. Cities were burnt. Cities were put under siege. So when you were a leader, a lot of that history has to, to deal with how you led people over that time. You look at Moses leading people from Egypt to, to Canaan. It was a crisis time. There was the Egyptians. There was the Red Sea. There was the complaining. If you read that, just that wilderness thing, it's a mess of a time. Sometimes there was an uprising against Moses. God was angry and he opened the, 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 the earth and Korah and those who were with God. So there was always this conflict. But a leader in that context, you have to be steadfast and say, we are still going that direction. You know, people came and say, no, when are Moses, this and this. And Moses still said, okay, if you say that thing, let's see whom the Lord has appointed. Remember the story of Deborah. You know, Barak was supposed to lead the nation, but Barak had no courage to lead. And it was a time when as a leader, he had to stand up and say, we're going that way. We're going to fight because part of what we do, we, we help people to get their inheritance in God. We want children of God to live out their call in God. We want them to die and have no regrets. We want them to overcome. But part of that is to wrestle against spiritual principalities. Part of that is to wrestle against opposition. Part of that is to allow people to realize that they can't live for themselves anymore. And who wants to be told that it's not your life anymore? You belong to Jesus. No, people still want to feel that it's my life. But I thought, no, they want to change us. Of course, you need to change for your inheritance. And somehow the violence that has to happen has to happen against you, against your will, until you come to the cross, until you come to the place of Gethsemane where you say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. And when God's will is done, then you have to venture into further war fields where you have to now take on your enemies that are undermining you, that are undermining your future, that are undermining who God has called you to be, that are taking and stealing from you. Now you need to be able to stand because you have done enough violence against self-will. So self-leadership and leading other people has to do at one point with making violence Deliberate violence against things that stands opposed to what God intends for you. And for you to do that, you need courage. You need to be able to say, I'm feeling a bit scared. But there has to be a courage to take the first step. That takes courage. There has to be a courage to engage. There has to be a courage to stand up. When you have fallen and the enemy is looking at you like this, and you're thinking, 
What's going to happen? You still have to stand up. Are you there, saints? But what I want us to look at is how as children of God, what are the things that we need at this point, coming back to opening services, what are the things we need to be working through? Amen. So just bear with us. Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So the first... Uh, type, there are different types of courage we need, ne? but today I just want to look at, or you can say the different context in which we need courage. I want to look at few. Number one, I want to look at courage to transform, courage to change, courage to be able to face yourself. M many of us, we don't change because we are scared to face ourselves. We play a uh, escapism. When you come back from work, you switch on TV, you, you are scared to actually deal with this timid person. You are scared to deal with this person who is supposed to let go of certain friends, certain habits. You're scared. You, you, you want to put up a God will understand defense. But God does not want to understand. He says, if you are going to follow me, deny yourself. Make violence against your state of wanting to have your will. Deny your own pleasure. So I want to read. So in Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need let's go with what with confidence confidence under lines or hinges on courage if you don't have courage how are you going to have confidence but that courage to go to god many of us don't have I'm going to come to that. Let me just read all the verses with relation to that. So we need the boldness to enter the throne of grace. The boldness to enter is based on the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? So our qualification to enter is not dependent on our courage. We are qualified to enter. But we don't enter because something is eating us, our courage. It's eating our confidence. Are you there, saints? Sin and guilt always take away confidence. So courage is necessary. We need to have courage to face the father's rebuke and correction. So when I want to enter God's presence and I have believed a lie, I have believed a lie that when I... The stuff you have done, you don't deserve to be a child of God. You, 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 you are a messed up Christian. When I have believed a lie that because of my background, I need, there are things that I don't deserve. When I have believed a lie that because I have lived or I have sinned, the blood of Jesus is not sufficient enough. I need courage to say, as rotten as I feel. I need to take that step. I need to be aware that why should I sit here and die when provision is made in the presence of the Father? 
But once you can take the, the step into the Father's presence, the Father is not going to commend you when you are living in sin. You know that. Your father, you're not going to come and say, Daddy, I am so dirty, I've sinned. And he says, well done, my child. No, 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 no. So you need courage again to face the father's rebuke. Are you there saying? Let's read Matthew 16, 21 to 23. It says, from that time on, Jesus, Matthew 16, you remember where Peter says, you are the Christ. That's where we're reading began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Remember earlier on, Peter had said, you are the Christ. And Jesus had commended him, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. But now he's rebuking Jesus. Never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Now listen why he's a stumbling block. And this is something that you and I, we need courage to hear from the Father. He says, you do not have in mind the consents of God, but merely human consents. You know, all of us at this point need to be rebuked by God. You know how many of us here are just operating out of fear of uncertainty, fear of this, fear of sickness, fear of death, fear. God has given us precious, great and precious promises for us to live as bold people, courageous people. But we are cowering back like cowards. We fear what the world fears. Am I saying we have to be stupid? No, I'm saying we must be men and women of faith. I'm saying we must model something to the world that the world cannot model because it doesn't have. The world does not possess the faith that the children of God have. Jesus says, even if that faith you have was as small as a mustard seed. For anyone who's born again, the Bible says faith is a gift given. A measure. And that measure is enough for us to be different. But we need to hear God's rebuke saying, I looked for a woman of faith. I found none. I looked for a man of faith. I found none. You are overly concerned with the things of the world. Do you think Peter was being nasty? No. I think Peter was just being cautious. Peter was like me. Hey, Marana, just open up to you. Can I know him? Before you get to this point, I think this is a bit dangerous now. You must understand you are talking about dying. Isn't it strange that dying is the things of God? What does, what does Paul say? Daily, we are facing death because of you. We have died to self, right? But we carry also the death of Christ. How about this word? And whether we live or we die, we belong to him. How about this word? They did not love their lives even unto death. Dying is the thing of God. 
Because when we are dead to self, we have no fear of death because he who has overcome the one who holds power to death has the keys also to death. God, I imagine, is looking at us and thinking, my children, how I wish you could show that I have overcome death. That you are redeemed from the curse of the law, from sin, sickness, and disease. Are you there? Okay. Let's rush. Time is rushing. Courage to undertake. That's number two. Our mission and mandate. We have a mission and a mandate. But we've lost courage, Brother Lord. We've, we've totally lost courage to do what God wants us to do. Listen to John 20. I'm reading from verse 21 to 22. John 20. 21 to 22, it says, Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Are you hearing death day? If you are hearing him, there's death somewhere there. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Something beautiful is there. Something beautiful has just happened today. I don't know if you see it. He tells them the danger of the call upon their lives. He says, as the father, you'll hear, he elaborates further that you are going to face death. But he says, I bring antidote, I bring a solution, I bring a steadfastness, an anchor for the souls that when you enter, when you face death, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says all these terrible things and as a manner of coping and overcome, he says, receive. Maybe we have not received. Maybe... We are undermining the Holy Spirit. Maybe we are no longer talking enough. Maybe we are not waiting upon the Lord. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, you will be able to do what the world cannot do. But when you cower with the world, certainly you are losing something of the privilege of having the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at this, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. Luke chapter 9, he's still sending them. He's explaining it. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 to 2. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. You hear that? Where does the power to drive out demons come from? The Holy Spirit. Right? In the name of Jesus. And to cure diseases. This is said that what we have been given power to do is the very thing we are scared of now. It's the very reason why Christians are hiding in their homes. It's not the government that makes us hide. It's our failure to walk in who we truly are. Because I'm sure as you are sitting here, somebody is hiding, isn't it? There's a Gideon somewhere. And I'm not saying when people are at home, everyone is hiding. I'm just telling you a fact that amongst those that are at home, there are others who are hiding. And yet, there are some here 
who have come to the service, but you are hiding still yourself. You, are, you just came to tick. I was at church. But you're still scared of the things you are given power to engage. Are we still there? It says, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Barcelona. When I, what are you hearing from that? I'm hearing that, Tabiso, you must be ashamed. That you are cowering inside when you are sent out to proclaim the kingdom. Because eventually this is what happens. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he will reign. Can you imagine who is he going to reign through? The very cowering people. Who cry out for healing when they are sent out to heal. Who are looking out to government to, for 350 when they are supposed to have their hands blessed. They are given power to make wealth. They are looking unto sinners to give them hands out. Are we still there, saints? Luke 10. I get it in Luke 9, he sends the 12. In Luke 10, he sends another group. You know, the 70 or the 72, depend on where you read it. After this, I'm reading Luke 10, verse 1 to 3. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like what? Like what? Like lambs amongst what? Even there, there's death somewhere. I hear a need for courage there. That if I'm going to be like a lamb amongst the wolves. But he doesn't say, I'm sending you like lamb amongst the wolves. You know, just don't go. No, no, no. He says go. Be as humble as doves, as shrewd as snakes. They are like wolves, but go. We are hearing a different voice. And I believe somewhat is a satanic voice to the church that says, no, don't go. You are going amongst the wolves. And Jesus says, go. I'm sending you. I have secured you. I have, I have appointed you for a time like this, a time of crisis. You must have a Joshua spirit, a Deborah spirit, that we go whether they are giants or not. I'm not speaking foolishness. I'm not speaking presumption. I'm trying to put faith and courage in our hearts. If you are fearful and you have, you have no faith and you act, then you are foolish. But if you know that my God, his ways are perfect. With my God on my side, I can face an army. I can scale a wall. Many are those with me than the ones with my enemy. Then courage will come and then you will move forward. What they fear, you won't fear. And even if it kills you, it will kill you in God's will. Half the time you realize it doesn't even kill you. It kills those that are running away from it. Because they are dead. You remember Julius Caesar? You don't remember that 
uh, cowardly people. They die twice before their actual death. So, it says in Matthew 10, still on the same aspect of I'm sending you. I'm reading Matthew 10, 16 to 20. My time is gone. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will, give in, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Look, from the twelve to the 70, to the 120, to the nations of the world. The conditions don't necessarily change. The mandate doesn't. You will still, as I said to you, we have the most liberal constitution and we celebrate that. But as you celebrate it, also be aware it is the constitution that is more wide open to bring persecution to the church because every, a lot of the things we believe as the church, our constitution can easily legislate against. Let me leave it there. I'm going to come to some of the stuff just now. My God, this thing is still long. Okay. Let's go to number three. Courage to obey God's truth. Regardless of the consequences. I can, you've already heard that we are sent not into a comfortable zone. Do you have the courage to obey? I'm reading 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 5 to 8. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you. Yeah? Test yourself. Because then you will be found wanting. But he's not Lord in you. Jesus does not control the inner state, your inner world. But I trust you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. That you don't do evil. Not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable. For though we may seem disqualified, now listen to what it says. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. And someone somewhere is pushing us against the truth. The truth that we know, someone is pushing us against it. Are you there, saints? Look at Acts chapter 4. I'm reading from verse 11 to 20. Acts chapter 11, chapter 4, verse 11 to 20. Peter is, is addressing the government of the day, you know, of the, 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 the Jewish, the Sanhedrin, you know. He says, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, speaking of Jesus, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which must be saved, except the name of Jesus. Are you there? Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter, remember Peter denied Jesus before, but when the Holy Spirit came, there was courage suddenly. 
We need courage to face these voices that we are hearing. At work, at home, in your marriage. Voices that are undermining where you should be going. You need courage. It says, and when they, they realized that they, 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 these guys were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. They realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say nothing anymore against it. Hey, I would love that. Eh? I would love when people look at us. But no, the church must not. But when they see what you have done. They tried it with John G. Lake to stop him. When they saw that the plague did nothing to him, they brought scientists. They put the, the, the virus, a person who had froth in their mouth who was dying, and they put it on G, John G. Lake's hand, and the virus died under microscope. And the scientist said, yeah, no, this is God. And they allowed him to go around. There was no lockdown for him. Child of God who believed God. And then the, the rest of the story, you know, I'm not going to read it because of the time. But they told him, you must not preach about this Jesus. You must stay away from what makes you distinct from us. Isn't it they marveled? They saw they marveled and they cannot dispute the proof. But now they want to ensure that there's no evidence against them that these people have God and you don't. They say, don't preach again in this Jesus' name. You, God's people, stop praying, stop coming together to call on the name of the Father. When you want to watch all the things you have not been watching, Hey, and I got Sunday the omnibus here. But listen to the guys who have a different view of things. But judge for yourselves whether it is right for us to listen to you more than to God. Courage to be on the truth. Can I finish the last one? Are you okay? Courage to confront and where possible to bring change to our communities and nation. Challenge, courage to do what? To confront. Yo, I've been battling with some things in my heart. I don't know if you see what's the state of our country now. We, we keep going back and forth with racial issues, right? Let me say something that may sound controversial, but th that's exactly what I want to say because that's why I think we are missing it. Are we all aware that the book of Romans says we must obey authorities? Are we all aware that Paul tells Timothy that we must pray for those in authority? You know what's the problem? Is that we stop there. But the Bible does not stop there. 
The Bible gives us a mandate to speak, not just to obey. And now we are just happy to go left, go right. Let me tell you something. For some of us, personally, I'm no longer going to be quiet. I know these things will go on Facebook or whatnot. You know what? Why John was killed? You remember the story why he was killed? It's because John stood up and faced Herod the Tetrarch and said, you may be in power, but to take your brother's wife is wickedness before God. Was he praying for him? Yes. The Bible even said Herodotus Mutaba, he liked him. Go and look at the whole Bible. Who did the prophets speak to mostly? Kings and priests. The kings, all those in authorities. Can you picture Paul standing before Agrippa and Felix? And he's telling them about Jesus and how things must be changed. And one of them asked them, he says, Paul, uh, uh, King Agrippa says, Paul, do you think in this short moment you can change me to be like you? Listen to what the man of God says. He says, not just you. I want all of you to be like me except these chains. This is social justice. I need to fight for injustice. I don't want people to be oppressed. But at the same time, I don't want them to live like sinful, unrepentant sinners. And that's where the church is getting it wrong. We allow governments to speak. Everybody is speaking to us. Everybody is telling us something. Unfortunately, they are not telling us what God wants them to hear. And now we think our role. Let's pray for them. No, no, no. At one point, you must tell them what you are doing is wicked. Then we are doing our role fully. Our role is not just to pray and to cower away. Our role is to, from this forward, confront things. We are not politicians. We are a kingdom. And because we are a kingdom, we need to usher the Father's kingdom into the kingdoms of this world. So, let me just say these things. And these are not political statements. These are kingdom statements. Other people want to instill in us racial hatred. But we must fight for the eventual picture of the church. What is the eventual picture of the church in the book of Revelation? Then I saw standing before God, speaking of the church, from every tribe, every nation, every language group, every color. That's the picture of the church. We cannot be the church and allow racial hatred in us. It's not possible. Like I say, we are not politicians. Let's not allow politicians to teach us racial hatred. I, I wrote here, I learned more about racism when I was at Bible school. I was told, don't go to that Bible school, it's racist. And my curiosity for that issue took me there. And I, I experienced racism from first year. 
But then I realized how much I hated white people. So it was not just them, it was me too. Are you there, saints? And eventually, let me tell you something that happened. September, remember 9-11? When they uh, flew those planes into the Twin Towers. You remember that a few weeks ago, there was a bombing in Africa, in Kenya. So we were in class. That, that morning, we went for what do, you know, in school, what we would call an assembly. You remember assembly? And the school principal, the Bible school's principal came and said, we must pray for America. And I remember us discussing, no. Just last week, a few weeks ago, Africans died. And this message never came through. But what did that teach me? It taught me that I still have to pray for America. I must fight for people to pray for Africa. I'm not going to stop praying for those ones because they didn't pray for these ones. Because I contend for something different. I contend for everyone. Therefore, I'm not going to allow them to teach me otherwise. So let's not allow other people. So people who encourage these things are aware that we will experience racism and we still do. Does it mean we need to, to respond in a racist way? No. So let's not allow their convictions to dilute our kingdom mandate. We must speak and speak out. And so as we pray this morning, I'm just going to leave other things. You and I need courage. And if your idea of courage is just to go, and, to go into an interview, God, give me courage too. You need courage for that, right? But you need to expand your scope of the things we need courage for. We need courage to face death, to face uncertainty, to face diseases, pandemics. We need to, face, to have the courage to face politicians now. To bring change at work where there's racial discriminations, where we, we have to stop cowering now. We are a kingdom that is intended to replace worldly kingdoms. And we can't wait for Jesus to come back. He has sent us as lambs amongst wolves. Let's have faith and courage to change things. Shall we stand up? Are you still okay? If you are here and you are not born again, Luena, you need courage, isn't it? You need courage to, to walk away from the devil. The devil is so smart. You know how the devil has given many of us pleasure and things and things. When you are supposed to walk away from him, the devil is a charmer. He comes, he says, hey, Kanako, you are living in idolatry. You are living in fornication and sin. You are living with someone halanyalan. 
He says, Hemon, can you see this thing? Where now, sister, you, you have these quapis. And the devil says, you're going to die of hunger. If you leave this guy, man, you need courage. You need courage to leave wrong friends. You need courage to remove all these people that are what? Enemies of what? Progress. Remove these people that are undermining your dreams. Some are your best friends, some are your, I don't know. But there has to be courage to say, I'm destined for something better than where you guys are holding me. You've changed me to my past. You've changed me to averageness and lukewarmness. I want to be a strong Christian, but I hang around with lukewarm people. You need courage to say, ah, guys, cheerios. You guys, I'm sure you are destined for Jerusalem. Me, Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. Lona, you have no desire to be on plane and go to uncharted fields. Me, I'm destined for that. Bye-bye. Hey, what sister? Courage to live an abusive relationship. We can't all be busy against GBV, GBV. We are fighting for you. When you don't have the courage to stand and say enough. Are we there, saints? So if you are here and you are not born again, I want you to have courage to leave the devil and run to God. Is that okay? So I want you to just pray. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. I'm just going to ask you to believe that Jesus is Lord and receive him. And then we'll just all pray for courage in whatever area you need courage. I want to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for life. That you died for my sins. This morning I believe. That I need a savior. I don't have the courage. To live the life I had before. Therefore I ask you for courage. That as I receive you. I will also receive boldness. To testify about you. To live a holy life. Come into my life, Jesus. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to just pray for courage. I don't know where you need courage, but I want to pray for you as well and myself. Heavenly Father, we are facing so many things in our personal lives at school, at work, in our marriages, in our businesses, in our communities. We're facing corruption and racism. We're facing all the fiascos that the world entertains and the discrepancies that comes from the enemy. We have a sad history. But Lord, I pray we learn our lessons. And may those of us who are silent stop the wickedness of silence when the, the corruption is ravaging and destroying our communities and countries. May the children of God filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered 
rise up to say this is wickedness. Whatever the consequences of our speaking out, Lord, give us courage to face death unflinching, to face opposition unflinching, knowing that for this we have been sent. We have been called to be a voice to the voiceless, Lord. To fight for those that cannot fight for themselves. To take care of the widows and the orphans. To raise our hands against social injustices, Lord. And economic corruption, Lord. The politicians are not our voice. The politicians are not your voice. Therefore, speak to us, Lord. Your will, as we pray, fill us with courage to do what we need to do and to be all we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand of praise.